Well, hello and welcome to the Two Tones da, 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 episode, uh, what did we read? Episode 10, round 9. Yes. Tony was... DeVolfo, Tony Moclair, uh, produced Gra- by Lucy Jamison. Great to hear you in fine voice, Tone. We, we better get the formalities out of the road. Episode 10. Uh, it is, of course, uh, Big Harry, Harry McKay. Oh, uh, we're talking McKay country. What a kick. We are also acknowledging... Um, Adrian Gallagher, yes, member of the 68 Premiership team, oh, yes, yeah. who was at the game at the weekend. Uh, also, the record holder of the Guernsey, the late John James. Yeah. And if we go all the way back, Tone, to 1911, the first year that numbers were introduced, Jim Marchbank played oh. in the number 10 in one game yep. in that year. Um, and let's hope... Um, uh, Young Marchbank forces his way back into the uh, the winners uh, the winners domain um, in the not too distant future. Tone, we want him back. We sure do. Well, uh, it goes without saying. Carlton beat the uh, the old enemy Essendon fourteen seven ninety one to ten eighteen seventy eight. Essendon were very wasteful as far as shots on goal went. Although Tone, I will point out that a lot of those were rushed behind. So we weren't talking set shots here. Very true. That is an example of how good the backline were performing. Look, and uh, where do we start? Where do we start, Tone? You know, I, I had the unenviable task of casting votes, which I will do later on. But it was extremely difficult because I thought we had a number of very, very good players. Uh, that basically um, um, uh, prevailed from go to woe. I, th- I think what was good about this performance was that it was a game of ebbs and flows, but by and large we uh, kept to the task and when um, when it opened up a little bit in the second half, I mm. think Carlton, the players got a sniff and, and from that point on they were never going to lose the game. There, uh, there that, was that goal in red time at the end of the second quarter which was yes, frustrating and I thought, yes. oh, if this goes to an old weary script, I'm going to weep. But uh, <laughs> it, it, that didn't happen. It did not happen. It did not happen. And as I said, I think the longer the game prevailed, uh, the more confident the Carlton players became. And... Um, in front of the boys of 68, it was one of the more meritorious victories. Um, what, a, what a great way to open the account. It's been a long time coming this year, Tony, but um, no time like the present. And let's hope now, as you know, um, Brendan Bolton has asked, the players start to get into this, this winning habit and, and, and starts to string some more even four-quarter performances together. Can I uh, just make one point? Um, 44,000 people there... Carlton, we're going into this round six games without a win. Yes. The Carlton faithful turned up. They yes. were loud, they were proud. Maybe they had a sense that yes. this game was winnable. I met two supporters on the way home. Uh, hello to Ali, who's, uh, Ali, who's a listener. Um, you know, very obviously being a Carlton supporter, intelligent uh, woman who loves the two tones, of course. Um, and Tash, who's a, the mother of a, a kid who uh, our kids go to school with, Week in, week out, she goes. Week in, right. week out. And this is the, I think, the calibre of people who are sticking with the club at the moment. And I was really heartened to see, uh, well, the, the turnout, how vocal Carlton supporters were, and the song sung at the end with just a uh, spine-tingling gusto, Tone. It was fabulous to see, Tone. It's a, it's a great point you make about the, uh, the capacity of the supporters to stick. Because I think it does um, uh, point towards a, you know, a, a bigger picture uh, uh, issue here that um, the supporters do get it. They, they understand where the team is heading, and, and you know, and 
Bolton has, uh, you know, carefully planned the direction that this group of players is is heading in, and they realise that there is a plan. The plan is to, you know, blood youth and try and get as many games into these young players as, as possible, and and see the, uh, you know, the emergence of this great talent, um, you know, with games and and um, and years experience uh, really start to to gel into a, 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 a truly cohesive and united group and um, I think that's what's exciting about this um, but in fairness um, I think the the output was was tremendous across the board you yeah. know not only from our younger players but also those at the other end of the spectrum you know you think of Sam Rowe you think of yeah. Dale Thomas his best year for the club yes um, um, I just love the way they're playing. Daisy's reaction at the final siren. Wow. And uh, go to carltonfc.com.au. You do uh, two terrific interviews at the end. And Lucy, of course, does a wrap of the game. But I, I want to talk to you about that in a moment. But the singing of the club song and Daisy was next to Simo. And the the joy, like he, yes. you know, he, I don't know, I, I to coin a phrase, Daisy has arrived at Carlton. There's no doubt about yep. it. And yep. uh, he was just absolutely magnificent. And then at the other end of that, Darcy Lang's first kick, if you don't mind. Well, you know, it, it was a funny thing you uh, raised that tone because, you know, I, I immediately, thinking of 68, it was the forefront of my mind going into the game this week that 50 years ago in that grand final, Brian Kekovic, left footer wearing number 16, kicked four of Carlton's seven goals in that game, match-winning performance. Yeah. And to see... Carlton's number 16 oh, swing onto the left yes. and kick that goal was with ripper. his first kick yeah. for Carlton in his first game, in, a, in his first win. Um, it was like history repeating and um, uh, it, was a, it was a great moment. And um, look, there's so much to talk about, Tony. It's hard to know where to start, really. Just on that, um, and, and this has been pointed out by a number of people, uh, of course, he wheels around, he, he crumbs it beautifully snaps it, and it seemed like players came from everywhere to congratulate him, and yes. that is a an indication of the unity of the group, and I think that came through definitely at the end of the game, uh, kind of at all points of the game. That's true, and there was a, a one of the uh, football reviews uh, uh, earlier in the week um, identified a moment at three-quarter time, which I, I didn't pick up, but it was of the two huddles, um, and there was a long shot uh, of both huddles on the, on the MCG, and... Um, uh, Bolton, for a long, long period of that huddle, called the plays in tight. Yeah, uh, and and you could see him really, you know, trying to reinforce a message that this and there's a, a great opportunity here that has to be grasped. Yeah, and and you're just looking looking at that bit of footage, you know, you reflect on now. There's probably no way known that the Carlton players were going to let that moment go. You know that there was always. Um, it was always in their minds that, you know, we're on the cusp of a, of a big win over the old enemy here and uh, let's not, you know, waste the opportunity. And it, you, you could have backed them in the last quarter, even though, Tone, as an official of the club, I'm not allowed to bet. Um, let's talk uh, standout performances. I don't know where you start. It was more a case of who wasn't uh, having a good day rather than who was. Yes. Um, uh, the brothers Kernow, we know they're in a spot of bother, uh, certainly as far as going, uh, touching the... Um, the umpire goes. We we await the outcome of that. Uh, of course, brings to mind Greg Williams. If it's if it's uh, eight weeks short of that sentence, I'll be very happy. Very true, Tone. It's sort of heart and mouth stuff a little bit, isn't it? You know, um, uh, I suppose it's it's all been in the news. You know, we saw Hawkins go for a week. So um, yes, uh, it's rather an inconvenience we could do without. Yeah, it does take the gloss off. You know, the um, a great performance somewhat. 
but reflecting on the game, the games of both boys, you know, two totally different players, yeah. two brothers were two totally different players. But I think what I loved, I, I love the way that, you know, Charlie just presents, you know, and those great pack marks, yeah. you know, that you saw when the whips were cracking in the third quarter, fantastic. Ed Kerno, you know, hard nut running machine, you know, just r- relentless in his capacity to push his body to the nth, you know, and I, I, I'm reflecting on the um, game, just thinking about those hard edge players around the ball, you know, started with Cruiser, yeah. Cripps, you know, um, you Cripps know, is not human. Leading, leading the way, and then of course Ed Kerno, who, who did the job on Zach Merritt. But like you say, there was a lot of heroes. Like uh, Jed Lamb. Yes. Now, what a game. What a game. On it's funny, you know, when you think back to the other game that stands, you know, stands my memory with Jed is that that game last year against Hawthorne when he was in uh, Sicily's face and yeah. you know that great win in front of the '87 Premiership team, no less. Yeah. Um, well, he did it again this Seems week with Goddard. Yeah. You know, I, and and I think I think. Jed's at his absolute best when he brings that edge to his game. And um, obviously he was given the task of trying to upset and ruffle Goddard. It worked to a T. And um, I thought his performance was really, really crucial to the end result in many respects. And, you you know, there are other moments in the game that stick in my mind. Um, One involving an unsung hero. Can we we just get back to Jed Lamb very quickly, Tony? I'm sorry. He had a set shot at goal. My heart was in my mouth. And he drilled it, and it, it was uh, it was a crucial goal. Yeah, it was a beautiful kick. Oh, he's a nice kick as yeah. a as a rule. He's a lovely sit shot at goal, you know, and um, he uses the footy pretty well. I was going to mention Tone, uh, an unsung hero. The, the, the moment that sticks in my mind is that mark to carriage. Yes, in the last court and the goal, the big yes. goal that ensued from a it. Great moment at, at a vital moment in the game. And uh, you know, you, you mentioned about all the players getting around Lang. Well, when Kerridge kicked that goal. Everyone to a man ran in to congratulate him on that piece of individual brilliance, and I think there's moments like that when you when you look back on on a hard earned victory, you know it gets down to the team that wants it more. And when you see someone like Kerridge putting his um, body on the line like that, perhaps not not recognised as a great overhead mark, but yeah. put himself in the right position, took a great mark, and then had the poison presence of mind to go back and slot a big goal for Carlton. And it's moments like that where you realise, geez, our boys are on song here. There's no way known they're going to let this opportunity slip. And it was just great to watch, particularly that last quarter as, you know, as that sense of victory uh, grew and you just knew the players uh, were were there on a mission and uh, we were always going to get the four points. So, there, well, there were, you know, your lambs and your carriages who, uh, let's say, are not putting themselves under your nose every week for the three, two, ones. Yes. Nonetheless, uh, you know, solid and consistent. Then there's the engine room of Cruz and Cripps and Kerno, who, Ed, that is, who were just phenomenal on the day, but then there's the emerging talent. Yes. Now, Lockie O'Brien. Look, Lockie oh, O'Brien. Boy, uh, he's, fantastic. his disposal is just guilt-edged. Yeah, Lockie O'Brien, and I'd throw in Dow as well because yes. Dow was a, a pretty important contributor too in the in the heat, and also Petrevsky seaton Yes. got some lovely touches, you Good know, point. when we need them most. But what you're saying, Tone, is right. You're seeing them emerges of these players, and what you see, you see these individual moments of sheer brilliance, you know that, um, you know, for them to string more of those moments together, it, it's going to take match time, match hardness and, and I suppose, physical and mental growth, you know, uh, that only comes with experience. But you can actually see 
you can see the raw talent on yeah. show here, and you just know that these players are meant to be where they're meant to be. They're, 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 uh, they're senior league footballers tomorrow and, and for many years to come. Um, it's, uh, it, it whets the appetite just thinking about it. Good. Well, just watching Lockie in the clinches, in the, it was because it was utterly frenetic at times. And you're right, he, he looks at home there. He's not um, intimidated no. by the pace or how kind of chaotic. He keeps his head about him. And like I said, his foot skills were, were magic, Superb. I thought, on Saturday. Superb. And Fisher, you know, is another one we have to throw in. You know, he's speaking of deft left foot kicks. You know, that little will of the whisper in the packs. Um, yeah. he's, he's brought a real dimension to the Carlton midfield. And I, I love watching him play. You know, he's a real go-getter, uh, Zach Fisher. And, um, and he's a great fellow to go with it. A uh, bit of bubble around the place. Daisy's like that too. Yeah. And we need players like that. You know, you want extroverts and, and guys that uh, bring a little bit of, you know, vim and vitality to the place. They're, they're important components in any football club. Now, Levi Casbolt wasn't playing, and in his stead, uh, Harry. Well, Harry, uh, first time Harry and Charlie have sort of been the tall timbers up front. Well, how, how was that as, a, as your glimpse of the future, well, Tony? Well, again, you know, Harry, you know, just to see the way he moves so freely for a big man, you know, he's a huge guy, you know, and, uh, but he, he, he moves so capably. He's a glorious left foot kick, you know, and, uh, and I think, uh, you know, a year in the weight room will certainly improve his overhead marking. And I, I tell you, when he, when he brings all those uh, elements to the table, he, he's going to be really, really hard to stop. Um, there's another one, you know, the player that you, you, you can't help thinking is going to be up front for the Carlton Football Club for, the, you know, at least the next 10 years. Uh, look, that was, I've got to say, one of the more uh, exciting things that came out of the day. We have the stats in front of us, Tone, and that, I mean, that itself tells the story. Carlton were very accurate. We're very accurate. It was only, I think, until the second half of the second half, if you will, yes. uh, which most mathematicians would call the last quarter, um, that uh, we got, we started spraying it a bit. But I'm pretty sure we went into half time at something like two or three behind. Yes, uh, they were most accurate in front of goal, which couldn't be said 50 years before, um, you know, when uh, 7.14 was the, the final tally, Ooh. but 7.14 was enough, Tony, in yeah. 68, I hasten to say. But you're right, I, I mean, they were, they were accurate in front of goal, and that obviously kept scoreboard pressure on the opposition. And, uh, you know, ultimately, in a close game, you look at those, uh, the finishes, and you say, well, okay, well, you know, 14-7, you take that over 7-14 yeah. any day. 7-14, we lose. 14-7, we win. Uh, I'm into that. Now, speaking of that scoreline, um, Tone, the, uh, it was the 50th anniversary of the oh. 1968 team. Oh, we, had yeah. a of the, we had a member of that premiership team on the two tones last week who unfortunately missed the game. Look, it was just horrible uh, to hear the news come through, uh, Tone, because I, I made a beeline for the Miller Room where the boys of 68 had gathered. Um, uh, 13 surviving members of the team were there. Um, two have been lost along the way. Peter McLean and Wes Lofts have, have since died. But uh, there were a couple of apologies. Um, Kevin Hall, uh, Brent Croswell, Brian Kikovic, Sergio Silvani and Dennis Minari, who took ill, I think it was the day before the match. Uh, of course, we had him here on the Two Tones last Tuesday, Tone. I, he, he assures me that it was it was nothing that either your eyes said <laughs> that uh, put him off colour. But he, he was actually hospitalised, I think, 
um, through the course of Saturday afternoon, uh, which was a dreadful shame. He was he was oh, up for the reunion. Yes, he really was. Hasten to say he's okay. He's going to be he's going to be fine. Um, more a precautionary thing, but um, it was it was a great shame uh, because. It was such a great day. We saw all these greats gathered in the uh, Miller Room, as I said, the Great Southern Stand. You know, to see Nichols, Jezelenko, um, uh, Ian Collins, Brian Quirk, Crane, Gary Crane rang the bell before the match. And, and also, I saw Barry Gill and Neil Chandler upstairs, and I also saw them in the winner's circle after the game. I was so going to ask. It now. was magnificent to see them there too. Um, uh, Barry Gill met up with um, um, uh, young Garlett after yep. the game, uh, wears the number 21, as, as, as Barry did. Um, we also had Neil Chandler in the rooms. Um, got ba- Barry Gill got to meet uh, Dale Thomas as well, two premiership players there, yeah. Daisy albeit with Collingwood. Yeah. But, but it was just great to see those fellows, um, uh, you know, soaking up the, the euphoria of the moment and feeling, you know, so much a part of the club for which they, you know, sweated blood and tears 50 years ago. Um, we heard the boys sing the song at halftime. Yes. Uh, what, what, they got in the, early. Well, I'm sure you did. But when, when they came, they, I know there was a lot of supporters in the room, obviously. What was that like when, they, when the boys came in and the, and the song was belted out? Oh, look, it was, it was, a, it was an honour to actually be in the presence of these great players of yesteryear for Carlton, you know. Um, and, and, you know, you think of the context, you know, that it, the first premiership in 21 years that the Carlton Football Club had landed. We're going through that sort of drought now, or even longer drought now, Tony. But I, I did um, answer your question to sort of sort of try and get a bit of a grasp on 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 that grand final and and what it meant to the players. In speaking to them, most of them say what endures for them is what it actually meant to the supporters. Yeah. Because support, the supporters had waited so long. Yeah. And uh, Adrian Gallagher told me that in 1968 the Carlton Social Club was open for the first time and he recalls that after the premiership was won, the the the, the, the replay was screened on a, on a projector here in front of the Social State Club. State of the art projector, yeah. Glorious black and white for yeah. about two weeks. <laughs> um, and that's what it meant to the to the players, you know. But um, I'm just... I, I have interviewed uh, gags for the purposes of a story for the Carlton website, Tone, um, but I, I'd like to share a couple of comments, if I may. Yes, please. Uh, with you that this was Gallagher's take. Um, he talks about 68. He said um, he recalled the awful crosswind ruining the game and he said it was a hot day, the ground was hard and there was a really severe westerly. It was a tough game physically. I copped a knock early but played through it and Croswell, who was only an 18-year-old kid, played with the shoulder injury he copped in the semi, which was a magnificent effort by him. To think that Brian Kekovich kicked four of the team's seven goals for that game, all of them in the first half, says as much about his kicking technique as anything else. To kick four goals out of seven in those conditions, well, he won the game. And then he says, Adrian, he says, I remember that we played in a practice match at Myrtleford to pay for Brian Kekovich's transfer fee. And Brian's kicked four in a premiership side on grand final day. Not a bad move. Yeah. Um, So he also talked about Barras and the professionalism of Barassi. Now, Barass was in the room too to share the moment with his players. It was yep. great to see him there. And Gags believe that Barassi brought professionalism to Princess Park at the yep. time when Carlton was a basket case. You know, it had finished its worst ever 10th, I think, position in centenary of 64. That was 10th out of 12. Oh, that would have gone down 100. well. Did not go down well. 
turn it around. But he also said that even though Barassi brought professionals to the place, he inherited a fairly handy contingent of footballers. And he says, and again I quote, the thing with 68 was that we had a really good leadership group of Nichols, Sergio Silvani, Lofts and Collins that Barras was able to nurture. But we also picked up some pretty handy recruits like Jeselenko and Croswell. Oh. Imagine throwing Jeselenko and Croswell into the mix now. It doesn't bear thinking about it, does it? But Adrian was really, really fascinating to talk to about about 68, the elements of that team and and, and the and what the the impact of that victory meant to him. Um, for everyone that wants to read it, I'm sure it'll appear on carltonfc.com.au later on, Tone. Uh, yeah, well, Barassi, I mean, what can you say? There's a reason there's a statue of him outside the MCG, which my daughter and I walked past on Saturday, and it was pointed out what a magnificent achievement, what contribution he had made to the Carlton Football Club, what an absolute dead set legend that bloke is. Yes. Tone, um, you have... Uh, possibly the most unenviable task you've had all year when it comes to deciding the three, two, ones. I've got a sense of who two of them might be, but uh, nonetheless, I'm still very keen to hear them. Uh, appreciating, of course, how difficult the job is. Yes, and you know we've we've talked about some of the great plays for this game, Tony. So. My apologies to those that don't feature in the votes. However, I went with um, uh, one vote to uh, uh, Patrick Cripps. Oh. I, I, look, Cripps is, you know, to lead Carlton to, a, uh, to that first win of the season, I think it speaks volumes for the way that he's presented himself in recent weeks in Mark Murphy's absence. Um, uh, you know, the way he's, he's led from the front, I mean, all good leaders do that. And, and, and leads by example. He leads by example. In there. And second and when, effort, third effort, he's just ferocious at the and, ball. And that's got to rub off on, 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 the t- on the players around him. You watch a guy play that way and put his body on the line and says, well, you know, I'm not going to uh, let this guy down. Yeah. I'm going to you know, emulate exactly what he does. Not everyone can do what Patrick Cripps can do, but certainly you learn a lot from the way he approaches a game and the way he so ferociously attacks the footy. One vote to him, Tone. Two votes I gave to uh, Ed Kerno yeah. uh, for his great job on, on Zach Merritt. And, I, I th- you know, we talked about that goal carriage kicked in the last quarter. Well, that one Ed Kerno kicked off the deck yes. was such a vital game. You know, when there were a million players around yeah. that uh, that bounce and for him to somehow find the goals with that fleet of foot kick. Brilliant at, a, was, at a crucial moment of proceedings. Can I coin a phrase? It was diesel-esque. Would <laughs> you, you may. Yes, permission right. granted. <laughs> Great. And, and uh, I gave three votes to the big fella uh, uh, first ruck, Matthew Cruiser. The oh. way the way he took command of the centre but also followed up on, on the, you know, on, on his play the, at the ruck contest and also really presented himself around the ground. Um, I thought he did a great job on Bell Chambers, Bell, you know, negating Bell Chambers' influence, uh, making Bell Chambers you know, change his thinking, be forced into worrying about Cruiser. Yeah. Um, I just thought I just thought it started from Big Matty. And uh, when we see him fit, you know, and, and in sound body as, as we do right now, you know, I, I, his value to Carlton is immeasurable. We just see what a fit, fit Cruiser means to, to the Carlton Football Club. All starts with him and all power to him. He's in... He's in career best form, I'd say. And that is a magical, wonderful thing to watch. Um, now, we're going to preview uh, just very quickly, Tone, the uh, the game on Sunday. It's a home game. Carlton take on Melbourne, who are in, uh, 
Well, pretty good form uh, based on uh, last week's game. Uh, it is at the MCG at one ten. Now, um, Melbourne's forward line is doing very well. They've got a lot of options at the moment. They have. Now, they have. Uh, how do we shut that down? Well, great question. I suppose it depends on selection. You know, I noticed, you know, I think you're referring to McDonald, you know, obviously coming Hogan's up yep. and about, the, the, t- the tall timbers there. Um, look, it would be interesting to see um, the makeup of our of our starting 22 this week, Tone, because, um, okay, as we go to air, there's some doubt on the Kurnos. We don't know how that yep. is going to pan out tribunal. But um, there's every chance that, um, uh, you know, I would imagine that Marchbank might be back yep. in the mix. So there's another tall defender that we, we may have available. Um, I would suspect that Murph's a chance to resume also. So that could be a, a really big Great. one for Carlton. Yeah. Um, so, look, I think we'll match up okay. And, and I... As, as Melbourne did have a great win last week. They, uh, you know, a, a solid performance, um, uh, in fact. But I don't think that Carlton uh, will go in with any intimidation. They'll, no. be, they'll be up for the scrap. You know, there has been a bit of history, you know, between the two teams. You yeah. recall Paddy Cripps, I think, suffered a cracked jaw oh, that's when right. we met Melbourne. Yes. And Rowie was put on his bottom by um, Jesse Hogan, I think. Uh, when we played Melbourne, also, so yeah. it, it'll be a pretty, pretty ferocious contest, I would have thought. But you know, we're up for the scrap. Um, uh, bring it on, I say. I think it's going to be fascinating from the point of view of Carlton coming off a win. As I mentioned, that unity is definitely there. That, yes. That, um, I don't know, sense of purpose and, and group dynamic that seems to be on show, and, and that's a product of Bre- Brendan Bolton's uh, coaching, obviously. It's palpable, um, Tony. It, well, it is, and I just I can't wait to see how this outfit with a win under uh, its belt is going to take on a team in good form like Melbourne. It's going to be a ding-dong classic, I hope. Tony, I always uh, like doing this, and I don't do it often enough. Can we mention two or three players who have played for both clubs? Uh, absolutely. Um, We'd start <laughs> with Sean Charles. Yeah, Sean Charles. Uh, what a tragic story that was. Yeah. He, he, um, he was a good player for Melbourne, and I, I can recall he and David Schwartz really, and Bruce, I think it was, really hurting us in the final. Yes. Uh, well, Sean Charles came across and I think played one senior game and yeah. broke his leg. And uh, never played again. And I, I can actually recall another life of the Herald Sun, Tony, tracking Sean Charles down in Barmer uh, after his career had ended. Where's Barmer? Right up on the Murray. Okay. Uh, up beyond the Chuka, I think. Um, and it, it was a lovely fellow, Sean Charles, and a great football talent, but just unfortunately um, the fickle finger of fate. Yeah. Um, you know, intervened. So uh, he never actually, we never got to see his greatness, you know. Um, other players uh, well, off the to top. Go. The Duke of Earl. Well, the Duke of Earl. I mean, well, what a what a Jeez. player! What oh, a player he was for the, the spoil football club. in the nineteen ninety five Grand Final. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah, and a great party animal too. Oh, uh, really? Oh, yeah. He he, uh, uh, he was a star of the fifth quarter. <laughs> uh, no, he was a, he was a great man. Um, if you're listening, Duke, uh, all the best to you. Well, I think he's back in um, WA and um, one one of my favourites. Um, well, Ronald Barassi, of course, yeah. uh, none greater than the, the great RDB. And, um, you know, it was um, lovely, as I said earlier, to see him in the room. Brent Croswell uh, uh, went from Carlton to North and ultimately to Melbourne. I think okay. he followed Barass uh, on tour. Um, one of the all-time great finals players. Um, couldn't make the 68 reunion, unfortunately, Tone. Um, you know, hasn't been the best of health in Hobart, but... Um, 
you know, I remember Adrian Gallagher telling me he, he always considered Croswell the best finals player Carlton ever had. He, he was a star. Um, so there's been a few. I'm sure there's some I've overlooked, but um, but there you have it. Question without notice. I yeah. hope I've delivered. Well, I, you're the man to yield or field <laughs> such a question, I like to think, Tone. Um, that's all we have time for. Get on down there to see Carlton. Uh, one ten this Sunday home game. Yes, the Carlton Respects game. Fans are encouraged to wave the orange uh, this week at 1pm in support of gender equality, Tony. Mm. And might I say, dark navy and orange is a glorious combination. Well, look, it has me in mind of William of Orange and the Battle of the Boyne in 1690. Yeah, now, Tony, we're a, we're Jeez, a family we're show. Don't we are getting all sectarian there, Tony. <laughs> Purely Tony. Oh, I'd like to think so. All right, uh, Tony DeVolfo, what fun it's been on the two tones today to dissect uh, a spirited, gutsy win that was uh, where the glory was so evenly spread. It was indeed. They're the sort of wins you, you, you love. You know, a, a, a truly a team victory, Tony. Oh, Amen. And we look, we're looking forward to uh, an honest contest against the D's uh, next Sunday, as I said, 110 at the MCG. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our producer, Lucy Jamison. This has been Tony Markler and Tony DeBolfo on the two tones. Catch you next week. Go Blues. Go Blues.